This is madness. My IQ might not be that high, but it's definitely 100 <laughs> or more. And yes, I have. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm seeing something different. It's not yeah, displaying correctly for me. Yeah, the left side of your thing does not have any up. I'll try to refresh my screen. Yeah, refresh your screen. Yeah, that did it. Thanks, board game <laughs> arena. I'm going back to Sparhawk. At least, at least I know what. I, at least I know what I'm going to get with that game. Oh, great! So I was playing with basically a, a faulty card this whole time. This game is botched. <laughs> botched, buried. <laughs> Stinkers. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we use our pencils as hiking sticks as we roll and ride our way up the Himalayas in Trek 12. Next up, we take our bloodthirsty clans to the streets in a fang-laden battle royale in Vampire the Masquerade Rivals. And lastly, our armies traipse across Spain building influence and castles in El Grande. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hey, guys, let's game. And Mike Grenier. va 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 Our first game up this week is Trek 12, designed by Bruno Cathala and Quarantine Lebrot. Published by Lumberjacks Studio in 2020. Number of players 1 to 50. Really? Ed? Is that right? <laughs> That's what they list on the box and on the website. Wow. Yep. If you have 51, you're out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> Ages 8 and up. Playtime 15 to 30 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in this 50 player box. <laughs> <laughs> the cover shows two intrepid explorers hiking to the top of an ice covered peak, which by judging the structure at the top, belongs to a wise hermit in the mountains in China somewhere. <laughs> Inside, you'll find a red die, a yellow die, a lead climber card, 16 assist cards, three ascent sheets, which are score pads, I think, mm -hmm. six challenge envelopes, and do not open these. You must consult the expedition manual. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we ascend this review, Evan, give us some instructions before the air gets thin. <laughs> Trek 12 is a roll and write alpinism themed game. Yes, alpinism. <laughs> alpinism. I finally used it in a word in my life. <laughs> <laughs> to score points, you have to create chains of consecutive numbers from 0 to 12 and areas of a same number. The game is composed of 19 rolls of two six-sided dice, with one die having values from 1 to 6 and the other 0 to 5. After each roll, the player must combine both die values to obtain the number to place. Now, with the die rolls, you can add the values of the two dice, subtract the value of one die from the other, multiply the value of the two dice, keep the higher value, or keep the lower value of the two <laughs> yeah, dice. Yeah, you get all that? You get choices. <laughs> Be careful, as you may choose each of these options at most four times during a game. Any one of those five things, four times maximum. After placing your first number on the game sheet, you must place each subsequent number in a space adjacent to the one already filled. You try to make chains and develop areas. Players also have access to several bonus elements to earn during the game. At the end of the game, 
Numbers that belong to neither a chain nor an area give you what, Mike? Minus points. points. Negative backwards. The same applies <laughs> if you have to place a number greater than 12. So don't do that if at all possible. And that's Trek 12. All right. Yep. It, it, that is a lot of rules for a tiny little roll and write box. Why mm. so many rules? Ed, is this game that hard? Uh, No. <laughs> but we did play Thanks, on Ed. super hard mode. And so it added, uh, added a few complications that they didn't recommend for your first game. Oh my yeah. gosh, you guys need to check this out on Facebook. We mm. were possibly the most confused we've ever been. <laughs> Watch That's the video accurate. of us playing. It's hilarious how and, confused we are. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't think I was yeah. ever quite so frustrated, especially with a board game arena game, mm -hmm. which is usually pretty easy going. It does a lot of the work for you. It, you know, has most of the bugs worked out. I, I had some issues with this one. Well, see, the, the standard one they recommend was uh, Dunai, and it just had 19 regular circles and mm -hmm. uh, just one side of the mountain to, to play with, and uh, mm -hmm. so it's about as straightforward. The one we had had an ascent where you had two sides. You had to keep track of, of where you use your, you know, your pluses or minuses or abilities, and it had those difficult terrain that only accept a zero through six as opposed to the other spaces with a zero through 12. Yeah. So you had mm -hmm. that complication. Mm -hmm. So it, we basically threw in uh, by just by random chance. So we ended up with, I, I think is the, the more complex track. Was it random chance or did you get, did you have a choice when you set up the game on board game arena, Ed, because you set up all our games. Oh, we, we, being... Yeah, yeah. We, we have uh, the board game around uh, allows you to do that. And we decided to go with uh, random. And <laughs> oh. we got randomly oh, the big random. <laughs> The hardest one. Yeah. yeah. Uh. See, I personally don't like to play on easy mode anyway. I'd rather just jump in with both feet. Uh, so that was good for me. Although I did find myself pretty frustrated during the game. In the deep end of the pool without a paddle. Yeah. I see what's going on. I don't know. Oh, this thing turned nice. purple for some oh, reason. Oh, I get this now a little bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are two different halves of this paper. Yep. Right. Once, Once you build right. through. You yeah. Yeah. Yes, haves and have nots. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> I think that's a good thing about beginner mode. You at least learn the mechanism before you start like uh, <laughs> oh, getting, getting frustrated into the, the, yeah. the intricacies of how those work it's like hey now you know how to walk let's see if you can walk and skip at the same time because yeah. there were times in this game where I swear to you I was I know I was following the, the number placement rules of this game and it was locking me out of those positions and I could not understand why now in retrospect I probably have to go back and play it again mm -hmm. to figure out why I was locked out in the first place but my understanding of the rules just they weren't they weren't translating to the gameplay so frustrating <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, well let me tell you the first time i ever went skiing i know this is, seems a little off topic but oh, it is first first time i ever went skiing by the third time i was going down the hill i decided what's the difference i'm gonna go on a double black diamond and uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I got beat up real bad i mean i didn't even know how to stop i was just falling and stuff so and that's kind of how i felt in this game <laughs> <laughs> I was I was started right off on the double black diamond. <laughs> I was crashing all over the place. Oh, speaking of crashing, mm -hmm. it, it, it was not updating my placement uh, mm -hmm. markers correctly. I had to refresh my screen in order to figure out I had used up all my 
pluses or minuses or one one row of my uh, my options. I didn't realize I was wiped out because it wasn't <laughs> keeping correct track. So that was a little bug there that added some frustration for me. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure it was a bug because we did kind of later find out that you have two sets of uh, abilities that you get to use during the game, one on the left side of the mountains and one on the right side of the mountains. I get that now. Yes. Yeah, now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do play now. <laughs> it's a fun game in trying to figure out how best to use your dice. Lots of choices in where to place your dice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a fun little thing pops up if you can't place it there on Board Game Arena. Right, Ed? Yeah, you get a little sad face. <laughs> and so that was very helpful, right? It, it would mm-hmm. show you yeah. your options, which, of course, you wouldn't have if you were doing this in person with your mm-hmm. rolling right pad. It's nice to have the pad light up in front of you and tell you what your options are. Yeah, if we did this right. in person, we'd have cheated our butts off by accident. We yeah. totally would have right. flubbed the rules. Yeah, playing with forty-seven yeah. people. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> actually a really cool idea, though. It, it could make a really excellent party game. Yeah, it's kind of nice because it's all simultaneous too. So, like, the, there's only one roll of the dice that everybody has to try to place. They just right. get to like manipulate it in different ways. So, everyone mm-hmm. plays simultaneously. So, you could play a lot of people at once. Yeah, very much like a bingo game. The numbers numbers come up and you got to place them. Very good, right? Yeah, with the same result, people can end up with wildly different, well, tracks. Yep, and that was a good mechanic. The adding, subtracting, multiplying high and low, very good mechanic. Best part Mm -hmm. of this game. I would say a pro tip for everybody out there, uh, try to use up your multiplications when you can because you can't Mm -hmm. go over 12. So there's very few, There's, I should say, fewer combinations of numbers which multiplication can actually even end up on the board. Thanks, yes, Mike. you mm-hmm. you learn that there are certain things that you can use that are very limited in their capabilities. So get them out of the way early. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the sealed envelopes, Ed? Because obviously in Board Game Arena, we don't notice a sealed envelope. What are they when you get them in the real? Well, see, uh, they don't exist in Board Game Arena. Right. They actually mm. only for the retail version. <laughs> and it is the expedition mode. Of the mm-hmm. game, where you can go on a track of three series of three tracks, each one of ascending difficulties, and you can have different assistant cards helping you out. Now, so you can actually have a deck of cards and have different assistants, which I imagine are different little special abilities. So mm-hmm. everyone has a little thing. And then if you achieve certain achievements, you can unlock an envelope which has secret stuff in it. Oh, uh, that's cool. It's like legacy. And Wow. I kind of want to know what's in those envelopes. Oh, totally. Oh, man. <laughs> you might be changing my mind about my opinion about this game. <laughs> that is a really cool expansion idea to mm-hmm. broaden the storyline of this hike. What fun. And mm-hmm. it's on on top of such a simple game that I think it really could immerse you in the story because it won't overcomplicate things. Oof, because I tell you, playing it on BGA, I, I didn't I didn't feel like there was any story going on, mm-hmm, to tell mm-hmm. you the truth. This theme, you know, the theme, I understand what they were going for. I felt it had very little to do with the game. Yeah, it could definitely use some more uh, immersion. Yeah, I think that's where the, the expedition mode, I think, brings the theme in a little bit more. Because you can see the different cards seem to represent different hiking gear that you can get or different, you know, Sherpas or whatever. They can help up the track. All right, Ed, send an email to the designers. Get a copy yep. of this game for us. I want to. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should really give it the the chance it deserves. 
Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Trek 12. Mike? Well, I was going, here's what I was going to say, everybody. I was going to say climbing a mountain is already a daunting task, and this game somehow even more exhausting. Bury it. However, <laughs> however with, with all these like new choices and expansions and Sherpas and stuff, I want to see more of this game. I'm kind of intrigued in how they'll immerse me more in the theme. So for now, I'm going to dig it up. Ed? Uh, I don't really get that excited about roll and write games in general, but <laughs> they do offer a nice relaxing puzzle. And the expedition mode has me curious because I want to dig it up just to see what's in those envelopes. <laughs> Evan? Oh, wow. I have to agree with Ed on that one. But I'm reviewing the board game arena version. All right. Mm -hmm. Trek 12 has some fun mechanics, some press your luck elements. It's a fair mix of decisions and luck of the roll. Uh, there was a noticeable lack of theme in forming the play. The game was more of a pastime, maybe party game is the more generous term for it, rather than a game you really sink your teeth into. I was going to bury it, not too deep, buried nonetheless. <laughs> I will give the in-person analog version a shot, though. It's a solid roll and write. As a roll and write, there's some really fun things to think about, and you do need to think before you place that number in that circle. <laughs> oh, yeah. I found plenty to do here. Yes, it's too light on theme, but I do think that these Trek envelopes could make up for that. I'm digging it up. If you have thoughts about trekking up the Himalayas, let us know about it. If you have reception up on the mountain, tell us a tweet on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> or send us a picture on Instagram. Hey, everybody, what's going on with Which Game First? Woohoo, Which Game First Thursday night, live game night, Thursday pew, pew, night, pew. 7 o'clock Eastern Time, playing the online board games. You are invited to watch. You're invited to comment. You ask us questions, make play suggestions. I need lots of help. And don't forget, a game within a game, we play trivia with the audience. It's so much fun. So catch the live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch Thursday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern. Yeah, what else is going on with WGF? Celeste, you know what's going on. Your birthday is coming <gasps> up soon. Ooh, yeah. I'll get you something. <laughs> Celeste insists on everyone bringing something they've created as the price of admission for her birthday party. So, in that spirit, we want all of our listeners out there to show us the amazing creations that you've brought into the world. Post them on your Instagram or Facebook and tag us so we can show everybody what you've got going on out there because we love our awesome community. Personal creations are my very, very favorite thing to share <laughs> with people. I love experiencing other people's creativity. Please mm -hmm. share whatever you got. If it's a if it's a song, a note, a scribbling, a poem, <laughs> a sketch, anything you've created, a game, of a, course, of course, mm -hmm. <laughs> a yeah. cool plate of food, and how about maybe uh, a terrible painting? We love terrible paintings. Oh my gosh, I love. All, all paintings. There is no such thing as a terrible painting. <laughs> terrible is awesome. Yeah. Keep your $25 Visa card for someone else. Okay? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. And at us. Just hit us with an at which came first on whatever social media you're going to bring it to us at. We cannot wait to see what you've got out there. Yeah. And yeah. as always, guys, if you want to become a supporter of this show, it hugely helps us grow our audience so you can have more community around which game first. You can go to our website, become a supporter today by just clicking on become a supporter and you will get for that $3 a month, 
exclusively just for our patrons, a weekly podcast by all of us called Bonus Points. Bonus Points. points. Check it out. It is truly bizarre. (laughs) Absolutely worth the three And getting more bizarre by the day. (laughs) It totally is. (laughs) And thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all. Our next game up this week is Vampire the Masquerade Rivals Expandable Card Game, designed by Dan Blanchett and Matt Hyra, published by Renegade Game Studios in 2021. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 14 and up, playtime, 30 to 70 minutes. Or in our case, you know, 140 minutes. (laughs) Plus 300 to 700 minutes. (laughs) Mikey, tell us what is in the spooky, scary box. The cover shows four unique yet somehow tropish gigantic vampire busts floating above a blood-soaked metropolis. (sighs) Inside, you'll find four pre-constructed 49-card player decks, 27 San Francisco City deck cards, four player aids, four leader tokens, 12 card dividers, 24 agenda tokens, a first player token, 80 blood-slash-prestige tokens, four rival tokens, 10 no-influence tokens, Mm -hmm. and 63-card crypt pack for deck customization. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we find out if this game is a bloody mess or bloody good fun, Evan, take a bite out of the rules. All right, here's a quick summary. We'll have to get into the details as we review. In Vampire, the Masquerade Rivals expandable card game, each player plays with a deck of cards featuring a clan from Vampire, the Masquerade lore. So those of you familiar with that will be familiar with this. At the beginning of each player's turn, a new challenge or objective will be revealed in the streets of San Francisco. That was a TV show. Each player gets two actions on their turn, such as draw or play cards, recruit vampires, claim a title, or attack, attack, attack. The other clans will oppose you for dominance in the streets or directly in Haven, which is like your, you know, what? your own Safe house. Your vampire safe house. That's right. So defeat your rival or gain 13 agenda points to win the game and claim dominance over... San Francisco, which is where I think Interview with a Vampire took place, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) I think the theme of this game dates pretty far back, doesn't it, guys? Oh, yeah. This uh, Vampire the Masquerade is a very old game. They even had a TV show about Vampire the Masquerade a long time back. (laughs) It's like the early 90s, right? (laughs) Yeah, that was way back in the day. But this this IP is very old and people are very familiar with it. Some people are very familiar some with people the clans. Some, yeah. some, some people. Yeah, I didn't want to overstate it. The World of Darkness. That's uh, right. The role-playing games had a, a bunch of them, not just vampires. Mm-hmm. So you can actually have other spooky supernatural beings. Probably werewolves, world. right? Yep. Werewolves. Yep. Yep. werewolves. Leprechauns. Mage. Eskimos. <laughs> Eskimos. <laughs> no, Eskimos. <laughs> Chupacabra. Okay. Yeah, the Chupacabra, the domination. Chupacabra. <laughs> Aren't they already kind of like Chupacabras anyway? Make, I mean, yeah, they're well, scary. They drain your blood, yes right? No. That's what they're boogeymen. Yeah, they're boogeymen. They fly and they drain your blood. Chupacabras. Right. So <laughs> a lot of cards here, guys. Oh, yeah. A lot, Ooh, a lot of unique A lot of art. ton of art to look at i thought it was great i thought it looked great they probably were able to dip back onto some of their old ip and grab art from there to start with i wonder 
Um, yeah. They look like all new art to me. Yeah. I didn't recognize any of it from the old game. I did have the old game from, you know, I think Wizard of the Coast way back then. Mm. Oh, wow. Watsy. Oh, boy. Wa- oh, Watsy styles. Yeah, there was a there was a card game, too, beforehand with this uh, theme. Mm-hmm. And some of the some of the symbolism and uh, the way that you take your actions was kind of similar to that game. It, so, it was. Yeah, it helped me anyway to understand it, but it was pretty clunky as far as the rules go. Yeah, yeah it the, was the, difficult mm. to understand combat. And I'm not a stranger to combat in <laughs> fantasy games, right? No. Oh, yeah, that's your, at, that's your shtick. Well, I mean, or Magic the Gathering. Or... Magic the Gathering, sure. And mm-hmm. I mean, we understand the concept of combat. So mm-hmm. the, it was so difficult to just sort of understand how the cards went together where they moved, meaning being in the street versus being Mm -hmm. in the haven, how they maneuvered, what happened to them after combat, how they Mm -hmm. worked together, and in which ways they could use their ammunition, in which ways they could use their Mm. special abilities. Really complex. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, I I think it was just more confusion than rather complex because, for example, I think the big... um, controversy if you will we had with the world is that how range attacks work and how they were different than the uh. the other three standard types of attack because they had three attributes on every card no physical no the um mental your mental abilities and your, then your social your charm it's like, like there are different ways to interact with those three yes. things and then they had range and there's range <laughs> didn't seem to indicate how it worked with the others so Sometimes people, well, I want to go in and fist punch and shoot my gun at the same time. Well, no, they're actually different types of attack. Mm-hmm. You can either shoot or you can fist fight, not both. Right. And locationally on the cards, some of the indicators were confusing because they were positioned like that whole ranged attack thing was positioned in a spot that was being used for something else on other cards, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like it, if you wanted was, to block a ranged attack, the only way to do it was to have a a symbol inside of your actual text box that said they can block ranged attacks. But there wasn't a range symbol amongst your three major attack styles on the left-hand side of your card. Not only did they have the three symbols for like physical, social, and mental, they also, underneath those, next to the text box, they had mm-hmm. two like um, ability monikers. In magic, there would be like keywords. They don't really mean anything unless you you need that attribute. Right. Yeah. So it's like, and so they're just like, oh, vampires that have celerity can do this. Mm-hmm. So, so if you have this symbol on it, that means you can actually use this ability. Right. So. Yeah. So two different factors here with every card played. Mm-hmm. Minimum two. Yeah. Minimum two. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And cards had a lot of barriers to entry into the table. You had to have mm-hmm. the right. Uh, level of blood on your vampire you or you might have had right. to also had the level of one of the three attributes and you might have had one or two of the symbols at the bottom of the card that you need just to play that card so it got tricky yeah it could be a little tricky to, to having all the right elements i get that you have a lot of elements it's probably a very powerful card mm-hmm. but i do love the theme of having blood be like the main resource in the game like you, you're using up your influence to bring in a new vampire and that's it it's hit points, it's blood points, and and then you, when you fight, you know, you lose blood or gain blood, and you mm-hmm. go after mortal, perhaps they as a source of new blood. As far as thematically and flavor-wise, they did a good job at 
um, making the Bruja clan, for example, which are just basically the most brutal fighter type clans, play to their strengths as well as all the other different ones. Um, but I think the game might have suffered a little bit from trying too hard to make every tiny little modicum of the theme fit into the game without worrying too much about how smooth or intuitive the gameplay was. I eventually figured out, and only because it was towards the end of the game, and there were about a hundred vagrant cards in the street. <laughs> like, Evan, oh, my clan's supposed to be... You loved those vagrants so oh, much. Yeah. Like, you're uh, like, what the heck? <laughs> like, well, because what was supposed to be happening, unbeknownst to me till the end of the game, I was, my clan was really primed to go after those vagrants. Right. And, but I wasn't doing it, because I was concentrating mm-hmm. on so many other things going on mm-hmm. like what Celeste was doing what Mike was do- trying to do to me and defending against that instead mm-hmm. the vagrants were all running around in the street <laughs> clogging things up basically yep it's and, a- in the, and I'm supposed to, and I'm tuned I'm a you know my 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 clan was supposed to go after them but it didn't but you know I wound up only doing mm-hmm. it too late so yeah, yeah, cl- yeah uh, it did seem like they were all in the city because the, I think we had three of them come out in a row or something like that. And oh, yeah. It does make a little sense that the vagrants are the ones that the city wouldn't really notice were missing. I guess. <laughs> but I mean, well, the to- so Evan played the Toreador clan and their whole deal is that they're social. You know, socialites would be like in the Toreadors and they're supposed to gather a big flock of basically worshiper types, you know, like yeah. people mm-hmm. that should follow charm them. Charm them. Right, you charm them. But it was kind of sad that they could have had any... Thing else but a vagrant and still had to have the same stats and just a different picture you know it could have been vagrant or you know shopper <laughs> still had the same stats. <laughs> yeah. it would have been they did have some regular citizens in the mix as well mm-hmm. oh yeah they did absolutely yeah. I, I grabbed a couple oh I yeah ignored the vagrants i went after the regular <laughs> citizens <laughs> yeah, i kind of ignored the, all the uh the the people in the middle except for those uh the cops that came in and tried to shoot you up but like those guys gotta die yeah and then i was just trying to gather titles and uh yeah prestige and uh, okay. prince you know, of the city be all and, uh, high and uh high and haughty up in my tower and the whole the whole thing about enemies like, the, I'm supposed to be the enemy of Evan, but Evan's the enemy of Mike, oh, and Mike's right. the enemy of Ed. That yeah, whole thing. Yeah, random rivals, yeah. Oof, that was just like, that wow, was a bit can I just get out there and fight with whatever's the most obvious thing to do? <laughs> well, you um, could. <laughs> well, me, yeah, you're, you're I was getting lucky. Victory points, yeah. I was lucky that I was playing uh, something that's a, a clan that sort of ignored all that. But let me tell you, mm-hmm. if I was watching a TV show based on this card game, it would be too confusing to follow. It would be like <laughs> laughably confusing. I want to talk to Ed, but I don't Ed. even know what to do. I mean, Ed. he's in his haven. Yep. He's all, he's I can't hiding. get him. He's yep. the sheriff of Nottingham. I wouldn't know the first thing to do against Ed. Not the first thing. Mm. Which is how he wants it. No, you cannot count on and me. I like oh, it I that way. Don't count on me to kill Ed. You guys are on your own. Yeah. Killing Ed does nothing for me. Don't count on me to kill him. I'm lucky. Because Ed's my enemy and I don't want to have anything to do with him. I happen to have an agenda where I can defeat non-rivals and still get crowns. Ooh, so yeah. So I don't even need him. <laughs> you don't need me? I need I fine. I'm okay with you not needing me. I don't notice you. <laughs> well, that is defensive. <laughs> <laughs> that makes quite some issues All right, so then let me say this. <laughs> I don't understand you. <laughs> you are beyond. Your understanding is not required. Exactly. Look at my people. <laughs> Do my people look like the kind of people that can comprehend your people? It doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Honestly, you're not wrong. I mean, the the 
politics that they have amongst vampires can be very confusing. <laughs> yeah, I think that actually does kind of follow the theme because I think in all the books or whatever I read, the politics is kind of convoluted and weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And centered around a prince of the city and, and you know, everybody's trying to play up, you no know, nicey nice to the prince, but still trying to backstab him somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely would have flipped the channel on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the one mechanic I thought was really interesting was the conspiracy thing. It's, now, Mikey started saying, hey, I got this little thing. Do you want to see? It only cost you a little, uh, you know, a little influence. Well, uh-huh. the, so the way it worked was I had a secret card and I could choose who I wanted to share it with. And once it got enough influence points on it from other people agreeing to join me on my little conspiracy, right. I could flip it over and do something with it. And anybody who wasn't involved in it could be the target of it. And I got points every time one of those things flipped over. So I'd be like, hey, um, this would work really good against Ed. You want to jump in and throw a point on there? If you don't, I might happen to you instead. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That, that, yeah. Was, that, was, that was sneaky, yeah. you Malkovian. The Malkovian clan. Yeah, they're, they're there to stir up trouble and uh, to make conspiracies happen for people. They're the it crazy worked. clan. Yep, and it worked. It worked. I came pretty close to winning that. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury... Vampire the Masquerade Rivals, expandable card game. Evan? This game is not for the casual gamer's table. Let's start (laughs) with that. The game puts your concentration skills to the test. You really have to pay attention to what your opponents are doing for a chance to win. I found my first playthrough very challenging. By the time the game was over and I was soundly defeated, I started to catch on on how the game should be played. Therefore, I'm going to dig it up because how else can I see what I've learned if I don't play it again? (laughs) Mike? Mechanics were a bit clunky for me and uh, didn't lend well to other players who are unfamiliar with the genre or previous products these guys have put out. However, I found the strategies pretty interesting and I want to take another run at it, so dig it up. Ed? I have enjoyed many games in the world of darkness setting. And so far, this one seems to have interesting play styles to explore. But I'll need a few more plays to see if it has any longevity. I'll dig it up for another play and see where it goes. The convoluted combat system overshadows the story in this game and makes it too high a barrier for entry for me. So I'm going to have to put this game in the coffin and bury it. (laughs) (laughs) Nail it shut. (laughs) So if you have thoughts about Vampire the Masquerade, make like the Ventru and chat with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. (laughs) Those chatty Ventru. (laughs) No, the Toreadors are the ones who would join you on Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) That might be true, Masculine. Our last game up this week is El Grande, designed by Wolfgang Kramer and Richard Ulrich, published by Hans M. Gluck and Rio Grande Games in 1995. Ooh, wow. yeah. Number of players 2 to 5, ages 12 and up, playtime 60 to 120 minutes, or in our case, 240 minutes. <laughs> okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box shows what seems to be a mounted caballero and his faithful horse boy in the foreground of a dusty desert with a smattering of crenellated towers. Inside the box, you'll see a game board, five grandes, the large cubes in five colors, 155 caballeros, the small cubes in five different colors, one king, a round marker, 65 power cards in five different colors, 
45 action cards, 9 region cards, 5 secret discs with pointers, 1 castle or castillo, and 2 mobile scoreboards. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we take a tilt at this game, Evan, mount your Andalusian and proudly announce the rules to the... Audiencia. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Maybe it's right. I don't know. All right. No, bear it with is. me. It's right. Bear, it's uh, <laughs> bear with me as I get through this. In El Grande, players take on the role of lords in medieval Spain, vying for control of the various regions of the country. Your job is to draft caballeros into your court and subsequently move them onto the board to seize control of regions. There are nine rounds in a game, although there is a quick game of six rounds, and that's the one we played. In each of the rounds, you select one of your 13 power cards to determine turn order, as well as the number of caballeros you get to move from the provinces, which is the general supply, into your court, which is the personal supply. We'll get to that soon. Then select one of five action cards, which allow variations to the rules uh huh, and additional scoring <laughs> opportunities in addition to determining how many caballeros to move from your court to one or more of the regions on the board. Or into the secretive tower, the Castillo, as Mike had mentioned. Now, normally you may only place your caballeros into regions adjacent to the one containing the king pawn. The one hard and fast rule in El Grande is that nothing may move into or out of the king's region. If the king is there, it is locked. One of the five action cards that is always available each round, though, allows you to move the king to a new region. The other four action cards uh, vary from round to round. Now, the goal is to have a Cavalero majority in as many regions as possible during a scoring round. Following the scoring of the Castillo... You place any cubes you had stashed there into the region you had secretly indicated on your region dial. Each region is then scored individually according to a table printed in that region. Two-point bonuses are awarded for having sole majority in the region containing your grande, the large cube. I knew we'd finally get to the word somewhere in the game. <laughs> your grande is the large cube and also in the region containing the king. And then after the third round... The regions are scored. After the ninth round, the player with the most points is the winner. El Grande, arriba! This game is considered a classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why, a classic area control game. You're, you're trying to dominate the various regions and score points. And yep. it certainly is that and exactly <laughs> that and almost nothing else. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> almost. But I think there's a big part of the game uh -huh. is the bid. With that card you play at the beginning to determine the turn order, and and because the turn order also determines which power card, or sorry, which event card you're going to get to play. And some of those are extremely powerful, and some of those, um, you know, maybe it's more important that you get more cubes on the board. So you have, a, you have a, a choice to make, and I think each one is always very interesting. And not too hard. And not too hard. No. You know what I mean by that? Not too complicated. I, I mean, I know we're just coming off of Rivals, which is insanely, you know, uh, convoluted. But but the it is elegant, this game, and how simple and straightforward it is. Here's your few options. There, Yes, there's a lot to think about. There's your few options, and now place your pieces. That's hmm. it. Some of the look of this reminds me of that cultist game that we played where you have a deck building element and then you're moving your cubes in to like have dominance over the different regions. 
Yeah, there's not really a deck building element to it. You're, there's um there's five cards that are available to be you know used mm-hmm. during the turn, and only one person can use each one uh, based on which turn order you have that turn. So, like if Evan decides to go first, he gets first crack. Does he want to move the king, put the king in the thing, and move the most people from his uh, personal supply onto the board? Oh my God! And then. Move the king either before or after and lock things down. Because where that king is on the board dictates where everything else happens. Because while he's locking down his region, everything else can only move in things that are adjacent to the king. Yeah, that's a big pain, too. (laughs) Because you're planning for something, and then, oh, Mike comes along. I'll move the king here. Plan out the window. (laughs) Like, what do you do at that point? You have no Mm -hmm. control unless you control that king for the most part. Plan B, baby. I know. You have to have lots of plans in this game. It (laughs) shifts so quickly. Those power cards can be so powerful and Mm -hmm. so, you know, really tip the balance of things. Mm-hmm. Okay, can I? Can we spend a minute talking about the interface of Yukata.de? <laughs> we, we probably should. Oof, because, yes. So we, yeah. we uh. played this game on Yukata.de still, despite despite <laughs> the terrible, terrible things it can do to you as a player. My favorite interface, just because of how quirky and classic and old-fashioned it is. But... Holy cow, was it totally unhelpful with <laughs> movement and placement. I three times accidentally moved to the wrong place with no way around it and could not correct myself. Yep, no backsies. Uh, you have to click on the region. You first you click on the card itself to do, do the, say I'm doing the card power, and then you click on a region to, to move it there. So you click on the card, then click on the region where you want to move it to. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, why did Celeste's cubes seem to disappear from Alka-Seltzer Alka- there? Yeah. Well, because uh, the the power I took was the ability to move people out. And then uh, so I evicted everybody who was there and put myself there. Oh, so he mikey you, Celeste. Had we been playing live, those things never would have happened. No. And they were straight up no. <laughs> shooting myself in the foot. And <laughs> no, no backsies. Yeah. Like three times in a row, it happens. Yes, oh. and I cu- and there were things you couldn't. I could not figure out how to do. It took uh, it took quite a while to just figure out how to maneuver the cards, and you. It was so specific in exactly what order you had to oh, click gosh. cards. Otherwise, it would have absolutely. I'm right there with up. you. Right there with you. I know. I know when I went to uh, activate one of one of my powers on at least two occasions. Could not figure out how the interface worked to make the power do what it was supposed to do. Just couldn't. Mm. I had to give up, basically, or else we would have been there for 90 more minutes. Oh, <laughs> God. Ugh. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting because I, I had that feeling. It's like, you kind of, it's like, yeah, it's clunky, but usually, like, it has, like, oh, the go back ability or, like, the, yeah, no, no, that normal you kind of Sparhawk thing where you have to click on the thing to, to, to say what you really want to do. It's mm-hmm. like, here, it's like just doing things if you click in the wrong <laughs> spot and, and no backseats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think, Ed, you were right on your theory that the game is so old that it was probably programmed onto Yukata so long ago <laughs> that it used, you know, the clunkiest, oldest, <laughs> least streamlined programming. Yeah, whatever was happening in 2002. Yeah, uh, and never got updated. 
Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm just looking at it right now, and it says it's been online since 2012. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's been, it's been on Yukata for decade. nine years. Yeah. Wow. Oh, boy. And probably never uh, never looked back at it again once they got it up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing that's interesting is uh, El Grande is a game number 93 in the Board Game Geek database. Really? Wow. Of all games, number 93. Wow. wow. They got it on the ground floor. <laughs> <laughs> I see there's a bunch of numbers in each different territory here, like sets of numbers, like five, three, two. What does that mean to like moving uh, your that stuff? That is in? how many points you score for being the most, the second most, and the third most oh. populous in yeah. that region. And then don't tie, otherwise you're knocked out, basically. Oh, on no. the tie. Right. Uh-huh. You get knocked, you both get knocked down to the next level below level. that. Oh, that's yeah. If you're way. tied for first, you both get second. Uh, range points. <laughs> for a second, you both get third. Ugh. That's rough. The only flexibility in the placement of your pieces in this game are the cards. Uh, and there's not that many to choose from each turn. Especially when you're going last in turn order, you only get like uh, the slim picking. And if you're a five player game, you're going to get whatever you get that's left over. Yeah. <laughs> the refuge, as it were. Now, do those things change throughout the game, those cards? Yes. Yeah, the, the earlier one, the first five, oh, sorry, the first four piles are, are decks, and then uh-huh. they're random, which one is going to come out of each one, oh, and they wow. have different abilities. Like, some of them might allow you to choose a reason to score. Mm. Some of them allow you to move your grande. Some <laughs> of them allow you to kick people out of a region. Yes. Wow. Like each one yep. of them can be really powerful, but also really situational. Yeah. I guess it makes long-term planning pretty tough, then. Very. <laughs> you don't know what actions are going to be available to you except for the moving the king around, I guess. I know. And Mike, when you use your, you have your, you have, you have to start with a deck of cards one through thirteen, which is the play order, right? Mm-hmm. If thirteen's your highest, one's your lowest. Mm-hmm. Once you use those cards, you don't go, you don't get them back. So if oh, I boy, play my thirteen, my thirteen's gone the rest of the game. Right. They're like, yeah, I'm going first now, but that's it. No, somebody, somebody else has their thirteen. They can go first later. Mm-hmm. And what about the dudes in the like the actual like standy castle they have on there? What is that? Oh, about? the castile, yeah. That's one of my favorite parts. It's kicking a few people into the castle because hey, it's point to get scored when it comes down to the scoring round, but then you use that little secret disc mm-hmm. to say that where are you gonna place your dudes that are in that castle? And mm. No one knows where you're going. So it can be like a surprise. Ha ha. I'm in the Oregon. Oh, okay. That's cool. So they have like yeah. a, they can see the whole land and survey it as to where they need to end up at. That's pretty cool. Okay, explorers. It's time to dig up or bury El Grande. Ed? I have played this Spiel the Jars winner many times. <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> it was fun to play then. It is fun to play it again <laughs> online, despite Yukata. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Inspired. This game isn't the prettiest to look at, but it still stands as a solid strategy game. So I'm going to dig this up for more El Grande. Evan? El Grande is one of those games where you better have a plan A, B, C, and D. The limited control can be frustrating, but I suppose that's almost the point of the game. There's this cutthroat element to victory. You really have to interfere with the other players in order to advance. It's uh, pretty advanced for a game designed in 1995, I'll say. Dig it up. 
Despite the myriad of confusing interface issues with playing on Yukata, <laughs> I love you, Yukata, and I love you, Sparhawk. <laughs> I can definitely see why this game is considered a classic, and fans of area control will not be disappointed with its elegance. Dig it up. And if you have thoughts about El Grande, come shout with us on Twitter and tell us about the grandest thing that's ever happened to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our show we look forward to hearing about all your game exploring and your creativity send Mm -hmm. it to us we are at which game first and we cannot wait to hear from you join us on our discord server just go to our website click right through to discord would love to talk to you we're on it every day and if you get a chance guys what could really help us is just leaving us a rating or review anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you would like more perks and content from our show, including our exclusive patron-only podcast that comes out weekly, bonus points. points. Bonus points. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. Happy gaming, explorers. I'll have an El Grande with a shot of espresso. The rules of the math grade kind of remind me of Fight Club. You don't talk about the masquerade. <laughs> I, <was laughs> I thought you were going to follow that up. <laughs> I want to suck your blood. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs>